Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Courtney Bishop, your high performance coach and host of the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In each episode, we share insights around the topics of movement, meditation, mindfulness, and nutrition to help you show up at your highest potential daily. I provide solo casts to share tools I use with clients, as well as host inspirational guests who have taken the time to pursue what makes them come alive. In episode 32, I interview Katie Vanuchik, who is a certified force therapy guide and the owner of In Your Element Wellness. One of the main wellness practices she facilitates through IYE is called forest bathing, also forest therapy. It is a guided immersion into nature that invites you to connect with the environment through all five of your felt senses. So with that, let's dive deeper in the show. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Katie. Hi, Courtney. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. I am so excited to bring you on today to share more about who you are and the just incredible work that you are doing. Uh, I have been so honored to come across your work in the last, I think it was year and a half now. Um, For listeners, it will explain in the intro for this episode, but I came across Katie's force therapy classes with In Your Element Wellness. Uh, I think it was June of 2020 and have been hooked ever since. (laughs) And so today I really just wanted to bring Katie on so that uh, others can kind of see the light in the work that she is doing, um, helping us to connect back to nature, helping us to connect back to ourselves and our senses, and just learn more about how she got to where she is today and how you can potentially, as a listener, get involved in this sort of practice yourself. Because I'm a firm believer that, you know, as an athlete or as a new coach, it's so beneficial to be able to reduce stress levels and take care of ourselves and not always be in that sympathetic, pushing forward, busy, active state. And I think that's really the beauty in Katie's work is helping us to slow down, come back home to ourselves, and really just give ourselves the time and space that we need to to thrive in daily life. Uh, So yeah, shall we dive in? Let's do it. All right. Um, Well, thank you again for being here. So I know a little bit about your background and I want to hear from you. What really set the foundation for getting involved in forest therapy for you? Absolutely. So it's been a long journey for me and I was only conscious of it for about the second half. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we're always in the process of becoming who we are and stepping into what we're meant to offer to the world. And so, you know, those, those pieces have always kind of been in place. I started my career in a rather, um, you know, 
different way. I worked as an environmental engineer for about eight years and was very much in the cubicle office life. Um, I did get outside sometimes, but I worked in the world of landfill engineering and in recycling and waste minimization. So while the intent behind all of my work was good, you know, it was all about environmental protection and, and things of that nature, um, you know, it was definitely from a different platform. Mm. After a few years of doing that, I uh, started to feel as though it didn't make sense some of the conversations and decisions we were making in closed up conference rooms, no windows, completely separate from what it was that we were talking about, which was environmental protection and our relationship to the natural world in the way that modern society works. And so I started to feel more and more disconnected from that approach to what it was that I wanted to do in this life. And so as time went on, I became a very avid hiker. I was spending all of my weekends and all of my vacation time out in the mountains, if I could, or just out in the forests and um, kind of starting to embrace this practice of forest therapy, but not really calling it forest therapy just yet. <laughs> Um, and, you know, a little bit uh, into that process, a couple of years into that process, I made a big decision and I won't go into too many details here, but a big decision that it was time for something new. I didn't know what that was. Um, and so I resigned from my position and my husband and I traveled overseas and spent some time volunteering in Africa. Um and, you know, when you don't know what to do, sometimes being of service and pulling yourself out of your own story is the best thing you can do. And so that's what we did. Yeah, we were we were in Zambia um, volunteering with a whole bunch of little spunky toddlers and um, we had a giant mango tree in the, the schoolyard where we were of the care center where we were. And, you know, it was incredible to start to see just our relationship with technology was so incredibly apparent to me when spending time in an environment where that relationship just isn't there, you know, in Africa, that it's just not part of the story. And so, you know, we would, we would talk about the tree. We would, we would, you know, the reverence they had for the mango fruits, mango season was coming, you know, that was a big deal. And um, just to see the community, and people out together in the mornings, just sitting on their front porches or doing laundry together. It was a very different type of experience. And it changed me in many ways that I won't go into too much detail on, but it opened my eyes. And after that, Luke and I, Luke's my husband, traveled to Patagonia, which is in the southern tip of Chile, Argentina. And we lived mostly out of a tent for about six weeks while just backpacking in nature and just having um, a very profound and deep personal experience um, about what that means to be in relationship to the land and just to be alive in any given moment. And that's where the seed for In Your Element really began to set, set stone. Um, I just started to realize, you know, people love what people love, they protect and just recognizing that so much of what we love is 
a relationship, right? It's not learning all the facts about environmental conservation, but it's, and that's important, but it's about that felt sense of relationship too. You know what I mean? Is, is actually having that connection base. So it, it started to kind of gel in all of these different ways. I was learning about all of the amazing research that's out there. And, you know, at first it was like, is this a really super new agey thing? No, there's decades of research about this. It's rooted in so many amazing things from cultures all over the world. It's just, we haven't really picked up on it here in the States to the extent that everyone else has just yet. So that's kind of how I landed where I am now. I launched In Your Element in March of 2020, a couple of months after we returned home from Patagonia, um, just a couple of months before I met you, you, you came into the story pretty early on. And since then it's, um, you know, it's definitely been kind of morphing and changing as I see what resonates with people and what resonates with me as a genuine offering. Um, and it's been a journey, uh, but it's been a really good one and a really enlightening one. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. So thank you for sharing. Um, you know, it is, I love your comment about having a relationship to the earth and the land. Therefore, we have more care to protect it. It reminds me of, uh, in my story, working in a corporate background, kind of similar to you, and you kind of just reach this point where you're like, you know what, I need, I need something that's a little bit more aligned to where I am. And perhaps this rings true for you, but when I reached that point in my career, uh, of needing something that felt more aligned, I realized that so much of my attention prior to making that shift was focused on the dissatisfaction in my own story myself. And so I was missing so much of the beauty. And, and even, you know, it makes me think of when I go for walks now and I just see a tree and I'm like, wow, like the different colors in it. And I wouldn't have seen that before. And so I think a really large part of the work you do and um, you getting to this place is also inspiring other people to take bold steps in their life and, you know, pursue that thing that they really love so that they can see more light in their world and not miss the opportunity of uh, being able to be more connected to the land and the earth and, and, really harness that relationship. Yeah, that right there has been such a gift. And, you know, I, I started this by trying to see, you know, is this, is this out of service for the earth or is this out of service for people? Like what, what is this? What's my core essence on this? And I found that it's so deeply is both to have those conversations with people and see people kind of stepping into their element, eh? into their <laughs> element um, and what it is that, you know, really, really feeds them or even just like feeling fully alive in a moment. There's something so deep to that because we live at such an accelerated pace all the time. So just like you said, having a moment to lean in and appreciate, you know, maybe just some beautiful scene in the midst of a busy day, it can change your experience. And over time that really starts to build to um, changing your life. It does. Absolutely. Um, I'm reminded of a conversation we had, I don't know, maybe a few months ago now talking about just our favorite trees. And, you know, the, this was actually maybe more than a few months ago, 
um, talking about our favorite trees, talking about what is an experience like of just sitting with a tree and how does that make you feel? And for some listeners, that may sound like so far out there, like there's there's so many things you could do with your day. Why are you literally just sitting with a tree? You look crazy right now. And maybe for some other listeners, they're like, I have a favorite tree too. And so it's, you know, really landing for them. So really my goal with this episode is to kind of bridge that gap. And the listeners who think sitting with a tree sounds kind of crazy, I really hope that by the end of this episode, you're leaning a little bit more towards the side of the fence where you're a little open to sitting with a tree and just curious about what could come up within that experience. And I really want to share with the athletes here that one of my big takeaways and why I think your work is so important is because in the world of athletics, we focus a lot on increasing proprioception, which is your ability to feel where you are in space. And what I've taken away from forest therapy is my ability to increase my interoception, which is the ability to feel what's happening within the body. And so this can lead to um, just more embodiment and being kind of attuned, for lack of a better word, to what you are currently feeling and experiencing. So I think for athletes out there, it could be so helpful because a lot of the mindset that they have been conditioned into is kind of ignore what you feel, just do the work regardless, Um, which is at times a helpful mindset, but it can also be very necessary to feel those emotions rather than resist them and push them down and away. And so not only are these things important to athletes, meaning interoception, proprioception, embodiment, but they're also really important for society as a whole. Like you mentioned, like technology and just the fast paced world can do a great job of pulling us out of our bodies and losing that connection to our, to ourselves, our nature. Um, so I'd love to dive into like, what, what is your mission and your vision with, in your element and how does that tie into your why and your story of like, you know, really the experience, at least in this moment in time, what you want to, (laughs) how you want to serve people in the earth. Absolutely. So My intention kind of has three separate parts. And the first is just to help people reduce technology-induced stress, right? Technology is wonderful. It has a great place. Um, But, you know, we're very fascinated with these computers we carry around in our pockets all day. And it's hard to disengage. But, you know, there's, there's a ton of research out there about how we only have such a large bandwidth of attention. And then once we get to that point, we reach this area of fatigue. And if we never have a moment to recharge, then we start to live our life from that space of fatigue. 
Um, and I think that that's the truth for a lot of us these days. So the first being just to help people reduce technology-induced stress with experiences that help you to basically reconnect with yourself, with each other in a simple tech-free way, and with the natural world or whatever environment you spend time in. Um, my second is to help people rediscover a sense of belonging in wild natural settings. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the times there's a lot of edginess, like you said, with sitting with a tree that's like, mm, that's an edgy thing. Um, you know, even just like chilling in the forest for a while, not being on a hike with the intention to get somewhere specific, which is just more of a go, go, go mindset, but to just have that sense of belonging and, and being okay with being still for a while and just enjoying the peace of nat natural settings, which is something that's available to all of us. That's, that's my second intention. And then my third intention is just to help people better understand our sense of relationship and our connection to nature. Um, you know, and when we talk about nature, we have a tendency to really visualize like a forest or a wild setting, like what I was talking about kind of with that second intention. But really nature is, is all around us all of the time. We are a part of nature, right? We start from a little egg, we grow, we're, we're constantly shifting. We have these soft organisms that we inhabit our bodies. Um, and, you know, but, but everything around us, the wood in the chairs, the, the glass in the window is made from sand, like everything around us is rooted back to that connection with nature. So remembering that relationship with nature, and that's kind of taken a whole other realm as IYE has grown, and maybe we can dig into that. But just to keep it synthesized here at the beginning, those are really the three, the three things that have been driving my mission forward, which is, you know, to help people basically reconnect back to the land and slow it down. Yes. I love your point about connecting with nature. It's more than just going for a hike. Because uh, I think one of the stories I shared with you and maybe one of the first classes of yours I attended was that I used to really not like winter and would just avoid going outside and like seeing the joy and beauty in the season. But it was, I think, 2016 that I was on a hike and then I, it just kind of hit me to slow down. And instead of continue walking, walking, walking forward, I just, it's like a, a moment of awe of like, mm. wow, this is just like so beautiful right here. Like, where am I continuing to try to get to? And so that led to a blog post that I actually sent you of why to choose nature over Netflix. And I'll link that in the show notes for people who might want to check it out, who this work maybe is speaking to, and they want to, you know, take it to another level themselves. So I think that's the stillness piece is, is so important to just appreciate the here and now. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that post. I shared that last year. I should reshare it. Um, I feel like it's appropriate to reshare stuff like that every year. Seasonal affective disorder is a thing. Oh my gosh. I have conversations with people now about how bad I used to be in winter. I mean, and by how bad I used to be, maybe that's not the best way to phrase it, but I used to get very depressed. I've been an avid journaler pretty much 
the past 15 years, I have just like a stack of journals and it's, it's like such a trend that January, February, the depression would come forward. It was, it was priming off the couch with a crowbar level of I've done, I want spring to be here. Um, and this practice has completely transformed everything. I was having a conversation with my husband the other day, we were sitting in my backyard, just watching the snowfall. And, um, I, I had this comment come out and I was like, I think winter might be my favorite season. And Luke looked at me and was like, what? I couldn't believe the words were Who coming out you? of me now. Who am I? I know. Right. And, and it happened fairly quickly. Um, you know, and, but anyways, so I resonate with that so deeply. And I just want to put that out there for any listeners who are hearing this and thinking, mm, yeah, I'm just not a winter person. You know, I mean, it, everyone's, journey is different. It really is, um, in terms of this practice, but it has definitely made that transformation for me and obviously for you as well, Courtney. And so, you know, don't, don't lose hope. You may, you may have have a bond to share with winter just yet. And when we live in a place with winter for six months out of the year, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, we, our wellness thrives and we can find joy in the present moment. And if we're constantly waiting for, you know, a different time in our life to come forward, then we're, we're, we're missing stuff and we're wishing time away. And, um, you know, I think that that's something that none of us really wants to do. So just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And just, I think that's why I wanted to share this with my listenership is because when you create this opportunity to actually enjoy the season, it can make you come more alive, like you were saying. And it's so important for our health to just have this other tool of forest therapy or, you know, whatever you want to call it, just being able to get out into nature and um, experience that and appreciate it and raise your vibration, literally. So, yeah. So, do you want to share more about? Uh, some of the offers that you have so that people can kind of get an idea of like, what does this actually look like in practice? Definitely. Um, Yeah. Thanks for that question. Uh, As I mentioned in your element is growing, Um, you know, it's been expanding, but the core essence of all of the programs, they, they pretty much all take place out in the forest. I'd really do my best to the whole point is curating the space for us to be out in this container of nature. So I offer a variety of programs. I offer straight up forest bathing, um, which I do through the lens as a certified forest therapy guide with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. So forest bathing, maybe we can get into a little bit more of a definition of what that is, but it's a really, it's a slow approach to our time in nature that focuses on awakening our senses and being curious about, you know, what the environment has to share with us in any given moment. Um, And when we do that as a community, we have this wonderful opportunity to share the experience, right, in that tech-free way and to speak into space. We have little sharing circles and things like that. So forest bathing classes are one of the essence of, or one of the offerings that I have In the summertime, I love to do yoga and forest bathing classes, and I see these as deeply connected um, because, you know, this practice is very much about remembering how it feels to be alive in our bodies, and yoga is really complementary to that because it brings our awareness and our attention within. Um, So yoga and forest bathing through the summertime, 
And then the largest uh, kind of new area of growth that we've been expanding into is wild foods, foraging, and wild tech. Yeah, yeah. And a big component of that, again, is remembering our connection to nature. But it's also in shifting our perspective of the way that we look at the world around us, right? Kind of walk through the forest and you have a tendency to just kind of see like a green wall, (laughs) right? It's it's just like a massive, especially here in Michigan, we have such an incredible, incredible variety of plants growing on the landscape, mushrooms growing on the landscape with amazing trees. Um, Our environment is just incredible. And so helping people to develop a relationship with a plant, one plant at a time. And remembering that, you know, we, we have this innate connection to nature, not just, um, you know, this emotional connection to nature, but a very like anatomic and like true connection through the nutrients that we need to thrive and all of these different things. So just helping people open their eyes to what it is that we're passing when we're on the landscape and helping them develop a deeper relationship and appreciation for what it is that is out with us in nature, you know? So that's kind of the third type of program that we have. So forest bathing, yoga and forest bathing, and then, um, wild tending and foraging, and then straight up forest therapy walks, which are structured around the, that ANFT or Association of Nature and Forest Therapy approach. Hopefully that, yeah. hopefully that's nice and packed in enough for you to unwind. <laughs> yeah. Unwind. Yeah. And I can also link to your website too, because there's a lot of helpful information there if people want to, you know, learn more about the classes. But I think that overall gives people a summary of kind of how you structure things and why, maybe not as much why, but we can get into like why, why forest therapies um, and the benefits behind it. Cause it's like, I think a lot of people go into nature and think like, wow, I feel better after going for a walk or just sitting outside, getting some sun, but maybe people don't really realize like, what is happening at the deeper layer of like why I feel these, these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to kind of dive into that and talk a little bit more about what's actually going on? Sure. All right. We're just, we're to start with that one because we (laughs) can take that in a lot of directions. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe start with like, if someone were to come to a forest therapy class, you can kind of share like, what's the high level that you would explain there to someone, the, the benefits and what's happening? Yeah, that's helpful direction. Okay, so, um, you know, one of the things I like to share before, uh, especially a, a straight up forest therapy walk or a very pure forest therapy experience um, in the way that you would experience it, um, you know, in other areas of the world as well, um, is to just talk a little bit about the roots of what forest therapy is, where it came from. And it's very much inspired by a Japanese practice called shin, Shinrin-yoku, sorry. I'm, I'm mixing two up. There's also Shinrin-ryoho, so I'll talk about both of them. But Shinrin-yoku is the very first one. Shinrin meaning forest, yoku meaning bathing or atmosphere. So that's where Um, you know, that's where the term forest bathing or forest therapy come from. So they're kind of interchanged, right? And it's rooted in this Japanese practice that's been, um, 
really studied since the late 1980s when um, a couple of things were going on in Japan. The first was that they were transitioning from an agricultural economy where most of the people were spending time outside all day and into a tech-based economy where people were commuting into city centers and working in more, you know, like urban areas and in office spaces. And what happened was they noticed this increase in a number of different types of illnesses. So cardiovascular diseases, stress-related illnesses, um, you know, autoimmune issues, all kinds of things. And so they began to do these studies to figure out what it was that was happening and if there was something that they could do to help um, kind of counteract some of these negative health effects that were going on. And one of the things that they studied was this um, was what happens to a human body when we spend time in nature or when we spend time in forested environments. Um, and that's the root of this practice is some of the things that they found were quite incredible. Uh, I won't go into too much detail unless you're unless we decide to kind of go there, but just to kind of give a high level um, idea here, one of the things that they found was what happens in our immune system when we spend time specifically around trees and forested environments. And this had a lot to do with um, the Japanese Hinoki, Hinoki tree. Um, but what they found was that trees keep themselves healthy by showering themselves in these chemicals called phytoncides. And when we breathe in the phytoncides that are in the forest air, they also help our immune system to not only produce additional white blood cells called natural killer cells, but also to increase the activity of those natural killer cells that are moving through the body. So those are the cells that are like, they're like preventative healthcare for us. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they help the cells from ever morphing into, you know, that those disease, those diseased type of cells. So as they discovered this, that started to trigger additional considerations. They started to take salivary tests to test the hormone cortisol, which is our stress hormone before and after a forest therapy walk, um, heart rate variability, blood pressure, all of these different things. And so the Japanese approach to this was very much like rooted in, let's show this in science. How does this help people with their physiological health, right? And so that's that's one of the reasons why it's called forest bathing. It's because the air is full of these bioactive compounds that are floating around. And when we breathe them in, they do good things for our health. That's essentially why it's called forest bathing. It's not to do with water. There's no bathtub involved. You don't have to, to get wet. It's the air. It's all about the air. And so that's kind of the root of the practice. And that's about as deep as I would go before talking, before guiding someone actually into an experience. Um, the experience itself isn't about learning the facts and the figures. As you, as you just greatly pointed out, um, you know, we feel the effect without necessarily knowing why. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing about wellness practices. You know, I always say that as a yoga teacher, you don't need to know the name of the muscle that's working for you to feel it in your body doing what it's doing, to feel it getting stronger, to feel it holding you in space. Um, and I feel like it's kind of the same with forest bathing. You know, you step into the forest and you can feel that sense of calm come over you. And then there's all these ancillary benefits that come along with that. Um, so there's just layers and layers of, of things. But maybe I'll 
pause there and let you get a word in and we can we can gear from that direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's super helpful just to, like I said, bring more light to like what's actually happening and how is this all working. But just as you mentioned, it doesn't, the facts don't matter. Some people do, I think, care about them just to kind of understand it is very interesting. But um, I'd love for you to maybe talk about what I was mentioning at the start of the podcast too, about like, how does it affect the nervous system and kind of getting us more into that parasympathetic state? Yeah, absolutely. So there's this um, really interesting theory out there called the attention restoration theory. And that was, it goes back to, again, the eighties, this has been studied for quite a while. And there's this couple called the captains and they're actually out of the university of Michigan. And they studied what happens to um, our ability to recover our attention when we spend time in nature. And this all has to do with our sympathetic versus our parasympathetic nervous system, right? So if we think about, you know, our ancestors that lived out, you know, in nature, they, they did for a very long time. It's, it's just recently that we stopped, you know, being out, you know, in nature and living through the forest. Um, but way back, you know, when we would have to enter into the fight or flight mode by, you know, saber tooth tigers or whatever it is, um, we would get flooded with all of this adrenaline, with all of these hormones to help us fight or run away. Right. And, um, nowadays we still have these things happening in our bodies, but our saber tooth tiger is like our phone, (laughs) pinging emails, (laughs) all of these things, flooding our body with adrenaline, flooding our body with stress hormones. And we're not doing what we need to do to flush those out of the body. Right. You can do it through exercise. There's a variety of ways we can do that. But what they were studying was, you know, like, how does that come back into our ability to maintain our level of attention and, um, you know, truly be able to be present with whatever problems are coming through our head. Because when we're in the sympathetic nervous system, we're not problem solving. We're not working on relationship building. We're not even like, even our digestive system starts to take a back seat. We're all focused in on the fight and flight. And what they found is when we spend time in these forested environments, we can start to naturally transition into that parasympathetic nervous system or our rest and restore mode. Um, And there's a lot of really interesting, a a lot of really interesting details, not just with the attention restoration theory, but with some other incredible research out there too, about what's happening in the body. But, but essentially what they found is that it, is kind of this natural progression for us to start to transition back into that parasympathetic nervous system when we spend time in forested environments. And I think there's a lot of things happening there. There's this wonderful quote by this German forester named uh, Peter Wolleben. I I hope I'm saying that right. He wrote the book, The Hidden Life of Trees. So maybe people have read it. It's a pretty famous book. Um, But in that book, he speaks to the fact that the illusion that time has stopped is almost perfect in the forest because trees are some of the slowest moving beings in our world. So all of these problems that stress us out from day in and day out, you know, when we step into a forest, there's almost like this sense of separation, like the time has stopped a little bit. In the world of forest therapy, we refer to this as being in this liminal space, this space of being in between the stressors of the outside world and the moment that you're 
in. And so there's all of these wonderful things at place here that help us to step back into that parasympathetic and actually restore our attention so that when we go back into the world, we're not in that level of fatigue, but we're refreshed, we're rejuvenated, we're restored. Um, and, you know, it's different for all of us, you know, what environment is best. It's not always a forest. Some people mm-hmm. do better by, you know, a really still body of water. There's some incredible research out there about what environments are best for people when they um, when they need to to reduce stress, and we can talk about that if you're interested. But we'll maybe we'll just pause there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love all that, and I um, I'll link the the uh, man you mentioned as well as the book in the show notes too, if anyone wants to check that out. Um, yeah, I just read a quote from Lao Tzu the other day too that mentioned. I'm not going to have it exact, but just the idea of being able to create space in our life instead of always busying up our calendars um, because our brain, we can only take in so much stimulation at once before we just become, you know, so scattered and kind of clouded. And so for therapy or, or just whatever it is for you, meditation to be able to kind of take a step back and let the brain simulate all that information and stimulation to create space and be able to just see a little bit more clearly, I think is so important. Um, yeah, the, just the importance of doing nothing, which is kind of what force therapy allows us getting into that state of getting off the hamster wheel and not feeling like we have to keep pushing forward to get somewhere and just allowing ourselves to be and kind of allow the illusion of time to slip away to truly like nourish our our being but i think it's easy to fall into the trap of the hamster wheel because we've kind of been conditioned into it over the years like you said like you know way back well, it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things, but with the agricultural revolution and we had to work all the time for our food and to provide for families and then the industrial revolution and more people were going to work. And so like this lifestyle of having to always be doing in order to provide for yourself and for your family is was like the way of survival. But I think we're stepping into a space where we do have more opportunity to slow down. Um, And so that is my hope with this podcast is if anyone listening is still kind of feeling like you're, you're like, oh my gosh, I do live in a hamster wheel every day, or I have, you know, that visceral feeling of always having to be on the go. Maybe this can be an opportunity for you to ask, how can I? start to make some shifts in my life and, you know, look into how can I join a forest therapy class near me, or how can I make more time to just get outside no matter the season and create some space in your life to uh, just focus on what's right in front of you instead of looking way over there. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I would encourage anyone who does decide to do, you know, some kind of a forest therapy experience to go into it with an open mind, but to let it be exactly what it is. I think we have a tendency to really want to have like a profound experience, right? I mean, we all want that. That's the heart and soul of a lot of our seeking, Um, you know, but there's this wonderful quote that um, one of my mentors at the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, he'll often say that you can't open a rose with a crowbar, right? So to be patient and let this be a practice that grows, you know, such an essence of forest therapy is giving the thinking mind a moment to rest. And we really do have a bias toward work and producing, and it's very difficult to give ourselves an opportunity to just sit and do nothing. We're like, this is a waste of time. I could be doing something else. But as we sit and do nothing, or explore something really simple, like what's in motion around me? I'm just going to hang out with that for a while and see what it has to share. We start to notice more, you know, and all of those sensations of being alive in your body, the gifts of sight and sound and touch and all of these things, the way that we're experiencing the world, but are too busy to really notice on a day-to-day basis. um, That's where that therapy and healing and all of those things start to come in. So I just encourage everybody to, to, to be patient with it, give it a couple of tries and see how it lands for you. Um, and, and yeah, let it, let the rose open slow. Right. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I don't remember who said it, but there's the quote, nature does not rush yet. Everything is accomplished. So Mm, I feel like that was Lao Tzu. Probably. Um, I don't know. It is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Um, it is so important to be patient in the process with yourself and have grace as you start exploring these ways of being in the world. And um, like Katie said, see what it has to show you. So I'm thinking for people who are curious about implementing this, but maybe don't have a forest therapy guide close to them, um, how would you recommend them kind of starting to incorporate this in their world? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you, I'm really glad you bring that up. So I'd love to share maybe two types of forest bathing invitations that you can do on your own. Um, And I would encourage you to know that you don't need to go far to do these, you know, sit outside in your lawn, um, a nearby park. If you can get to a forest, then great, but choose a spot where you can visit frequently. All right. So that you're not like, oh, I've got to rush to the forest, which is 20 minutes away, three times a week. It's just not going to happen. Right. We're too busy for that. So choose a spot nearby. Um, and the first, the first invitation that I would encourage you to try is really simple. It's just called a sit spot. It's just called a sit spot. Choose a spot in nature that feels welcoming to you and give yourself permission to sit there and do nothing for like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you can lean with your back against a tree and really all you're doing is just noticing what's happening in the world around you. That's, that's always the prompt with forest therapy is just, what are you noticing? 
Take time to notice what you can hear. Close your eyes. Listen to the world around you. Listen to what other beings are nearby. Um, what other living things are sharing the space with you? Um, you know, what can your hearing tell you about the environment? And then go through each of your senses and just notice all of those different things. And if you can really do the 15, 20 minutes, that's really the sweet spot with it. Because that first 10 minutes, you're going to be and I don't want to be assuming here, but that first 10 minutes can be hard. Those are the 10 minutes that you're like, I should be doing something else. Um, the you know, resistance. Stupid. It's the resistance. Yes. So 15, 20 <laughs> minutes. If you can go out and do a sit spot a couple of times a week, that can start to kind of show you um, just a little bit of what this practice has to offer. If you can do the same spot, I would encourage you to do that because then you'll see that there's always different experiences, even if you're in the same location. And then if you start to really visit that spot throughout the seasons, it'll really open your eyes. So I would encourage a sit spot practice um, as one opportunity. And then another one that you can do, um, maybe while you're out for a walk, if that is more the vibe on how you like to spend your time outside, is a second core invitation that we offer, which is simply called What's in Motion. And I mentioned this earlier too. Basically what you're doing is you're walking slowly. So we're usually the thing that's moving the quickest in the environment around <laughs> us. Most of the time, that's generally where we're at. But go for a slow walk. So bring the speed down and send all of your awareness into noticing what's in motion in the world around you. And this is incredibly effective at helping us slow down mentally. We're noticing the tiny movements of the branches kind of fluttering in the breeze. Maybe you notice the clouds moving overhead. Maybe you notice the blades of grass just slightly shifting or the animals that are in the environment. And even if you feel like there's no motion, maybe just question whether or not that's actually true and slow down more and look closer. And again, take 15, 20 minutes to do this. What's really nice about having a guide is that they hold the time for you so you can leave everything you know, back in your car or whatever. There's no need for a watch. There's no need for um, a phone. But in both of those practices, I encourage you not to bring the phone because we have such a temptation to take pictures of things when they seem really beautiful, <laughs> which is wonderful. But we create potent memories when we're spending time really paying close attention. So know that you're not going to lose that um, and you can always go back out and take a picture later, but, um, yeah, I'd encourage a phone free activity if you can. And if you need that alarm set for the time to try to really honor it, set the alarm on your phone and then like set it across the yard or something like away, like temptation is real. So that would be a <laughs> suggestion on how to get started. Uh, I love those. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what about for folks who, like you mentioned, if you have a guide, it can just provide a little bit more freedom. Um, I'll speak from experience because I've attended Katie's classes that it's so, so helpful for someone to hold that space for you and be able to really let go. So if someone is listening and well, first of all, if you're listening and you're in Grand Rapids, highly recommend getting to one of Katie's classes. Uh, if you're not in Grand Rapids, how could someone, you know, find, is there like a website for forest therapy that they could look up to find like a guide near them? Absolutely. So the organization that I trained with, I mentioned them once or twice, 
is the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. So you can find them at anft.earth. And Courtney, maybe you can link that in the show notes. And if you go to that, um, if you go to their website, they, they have a map like find a guide in your area. It's an international map. They've trained guides all over the world. They're the largest network of forest therapy guides um, internationally. And so there's a variety of people. There's a, you know, like I mentioned, it's still growing in the States, um, but there are a lot of guides out there. So it's likely you'll be able to find somebody within driving distance that's offering some type of an experience via that platform. So take a look at that. They have a find your guide and you can just, you know, straight up, little pinpoints on a map and see what works best for you. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And then one more thing um, that you could possibly do with the, with, with the experience of COVID, one of the other opportunities that some of the more experienced, you know, the, the guys that have been doing this for a long time have been doing, they've been toying with virtual walks which sounds really counterintuitive because you're like, no, phone isn't supposed to be a part of this. But what it is, is you have one earbud in one ear, the other ear is open to the world, your phone is in your pocket, and you're being guided by a guide via your earbud. And, and when I say guided, you know, they lead you through a sensory type of meditation to help you open up your senses and become aware of your unique environment where you are. So you're not being guided where they are. You're being guided where you are. And then they offer you invitations to go explore and they call you back when 15 minutes have passed. And what's really cool about those, I've participated in them. I've also guided a number of them, um, is you get people from all over the world calling in on one call. So I guided one. I had a participant from Lebanon, another participant from Ireland, another participant from Nova Scotia. And it was this one moment in time. And we were all experiencing something so different. Maybe the sun was up for me and the sun had already set for them. It's really cool. So there are virtual forest therapy walks out there. If you're, if you're not in an area with a guide or you're not comfortable being out with people just yet for, for, you know, your own comfort level, those are linked on that website too. So, um, you know, maybe be curious about that and see if it lands. Mm, I love that. Are you currently offering any virtual uh, walks like that? I haven't been lately, um, you know, but it's more just a consideration of demand just because a lot of the in-person classes have been pretty busy lately. But if some, if there was interest expressed, then I would. So, okay. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. And I'll do it. Yeah, perhaps if you are listening and you are interested, um, look in the show notes to connect with Katie and IYE. Uh, mm-hmm. Another question I had was, I know some folks have expressed, uh, well, first of all, I know a lot of people aren't familiar with this practice because when I've shared it with other people before, they're like, what is that? And But there is interest. So thank you for sharing Um the ways that they can implement it and how to find access to it wherever people are located. Because I think there is a need for it and a curiosity. Um, And one, like, I don't know, objection, if that's the right word, but I have heard people say like, well, I live in like a really busy industrial area. So do you have any suggestions for maybe if folks live in that sort of environment, like how could they still 
connect to nature and kind of find effectiveness in forest therapy, maybe without a forest. Mm, Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful point. So it's called forest therapy, but you don't need a forest, as I mentioned. One thing I would say is that pretty much wherever you are, you can see the sky. You can see the sky, lie down and look up. There's a a whole other world happening above our heads all day, every single day. It's constantly morphing, constantly changing. Um, So I would encourage people to consider that. I would also say that, you know, one of my mentors has commented that he's had profound experiences sitting with a tree in a parking lot. I have never had that experience personally because I've never really tried, but, you know, there's a whole world of things happening on a single tree. It's home to all kinds of insects. It's home possibly to birds or to squirrels. If you have a tree that's growing on your sidewalk, maybe go down and get curious about what nature is living there. Nature's around us all the time. We try and hold it back, right? But it's constantly coming back. That's why we have to mow our lawns constantly. Um, So even if you have like a little patch of grass, lie in your belly, see what's going on down there. Um, and try and get curious about the micro environments that are around you. Um, you know, even living in a city apartment, um, if you have plants in your home, you know, you can, you can do different types of forest therapy experiences with those. It can be harder. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. At least from my perspective, there'd probably be colleagues in my world that would disagree with me on this, but I think it can be harder to connect when you're in that type of environment, not because the nature is not there, but because the distractions are so close. And so we have to be have that real level of intention with it um, to to try to not have the the human world be more apparent in our awareness than the natural world. And, you know, it's really important we go into it without this essence of of judgment of this is good and that is bad, especially Mm -hmm. with soundscapes. You know, we have a tendency to pick and choose the sounds that we hear and everything else falls to the background is noise. And so trying to notice all of the sounds without a place of judgment, knowing they all all hold a place within, I guess, for lack of a better word, the music of the area where you are, even if it's cars. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is that when we acknowledge all of it from that space of, you know, like accepting it all into our range of hearing, then we can start to notice the stuff that's in between. We can notice the sound of the wind blowing through the branches. We can even start to pay attention to the silence that holds all the sounds. And that can sound a little bit edgy or strange, <laughs> but silence does have a sound. And when we pay attention, you can, you can start to notice it. And so I would just encourage people to to find the micro environments that are available to you. And if you don't really have one, look at the sky and just see how that might land in the moments between when you can get out into, you know, more of the, that forested type of environment. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Because I've heard this from numerous people or maybe not numerous, but at least a few of like, I don't have time to meditate or do any kind of, you know, therapeutic practice. Um, but also I don't have the right environment. Like they want the Costa Rica, beautiful mountains and tree landscape. And while that may be ideal, it's not always a reality for everyone. So I think 
being able to make the most of whatever your current situation is, is, is perfect, is good enough to be able to connect to something deeper and uh, slow down a little bit. Um, kind of bringing it back to what we started on is our, our belonging and and feeling our connection to other humans, to other animals, to non-animal beings. And once we have this deeper connection, we can really start to care and protect our, our environment and our world. Like in 2022, we're seeing all these perhaps catastrophic things happening. We don't have to go too much into them, but, you know, fires and nature and oceans being polluted and the temperature rising and not to like fear monger, but like, I guess, stating more reality. Um, and so how can we, how can we, as you've been saying, stating, notice more and kind of step out of our self narrative of what's going wrong in our personal world and kind of see this bigger picture of, okay, and how can I help and where can I step in here? And you may not think you have, uh, you know, like a lot of power, but like one person can truly make a difference as Katie here is showing us in the work that she is doing. Um, and yeah, we all, we all, as cliche as it sounds like we all make a difference in each little action that we take. So yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely do. I have, I have two strands of thought on that. Um, one coming from my former life <laughs> where I literally helped write environmental legislation and things like that. And then one coming from my current life from the lens of forest therapy and just like the general essence of ecotrauma and, and all of that and how that plays into the way that we relate to the world. So I think I'll start with that one, um, the forest therapy lens and say, that so much about what makes this practice different, different than say mindfulness or meditation or you know anything like that is that it's about igniting relationship, which is a two-way street, right? It's acknowledging ourselves within this web of life. Um, and that that's, that's that essence of relationship um, makes a difference in the way that we relate to the world and the way that we relate to nature as a whole. We have a tendency as society to relate to things as there's us and then there's all of these natural resources that are available to us, right? But shifting our perspective from them being natural resources, them being a being of their own that's on the land that we hold a relationship to because it provides us with this life-giving thing. It's a different way of thinking of it because when we think of natural resources, it becomes very extractive. It's all about how can this benefit humans? And so when we shift our relationship and it becomes that two-way street instead of knowing how do we need this and how does it need us? Or, you know, I even hate to say the word it, but we don't really talk about, talk about, talk about it in our, in our English language, really. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah. So hopefully that hopefully that shines a little bit of light on the importance of the relationship building aspect of forest therapy in terms of how it can change the way that we relate to the world and the way that we use things in our day to day life, um, you know, and, and things like that. The second lens that I would just throw out there from the perspective of just more like tangible hands on if you're really if you're an environmental advocate or you're really interested in, in more of like the the very real legislative environmental shifts and policies and things that are happening in our world, I would say don't underestimate how important your voice is to local representatives and senators. That has been so huge for me. You know, I mean, we're all so dedicated to making sure that we vote for, you know, the presidential election and things like that. And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I don't know all my representatives. I don't know what it is that their goals are, but when it comes to local laws and the ways that we do things in our state, um, those folks are hugely, hugely impactful. Um, and so I would just say, you know, if you have an opinion about something and you write your representative or your senator, the first thing that they do is contact the environmental quality department at the state and say, hey, how can you how can you take care of this so I can get back with this um, person who's asking me questions? It's like mm -hmm. the most direct input you can have. And so, you know, just because I worked in the world of landfills for so long and recycling and waste minimization, I would get inquiries from, um, you know, representatives and senators that would be like, hey, this person's asking about why they don't have a recycling program in the community. Can you get in touch with them? Like that's direct. That's that's so yeah. direct. That's just in the essence of recycling. But it's just like, just don't underestimate how important your voice is to those people. And obviously I'm not saying like definitely keep voting for presidential elections and stuff, but don't undermine um, you know, the importance of local government too when it comes to the way that your environment um, and environmental conservation is happening in your own community. Because grassroots is a thing. Change starts from the ground up, right? And it's one community at a time. We see that all over the states. So that's just a, that's a second thought. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's so cool that you have the background that you do to be able to uh, share with folks about how they can actually get more involved if this is like something that they are, you know, really passionate about or are learning about and want to dive deeper into. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to hear, well, first, is there anything else you want to cover on, you know, what forest therapy is or the benefits or any of your offers um, that you haven't touched on yet? <laughs> uh, well, I love talking about this stuff. So I would, I would talk to you all day. <laughs> but, um, you know, no, nothing too specific. I would say I did list off a number of things that I offer. Those are my consistent offerings. So I do have, I have at least one forest bathing class a month, at least one foraging and wild tending class a month. Um, come summer, we'll be having consistent forest therapy walks again. But I also do special workshops. So I've had journaling and nature workshops. We've done um, forest therapy and henna workshops where we're out in the forest together and we're engaging in the therapeutic effects of just doing art. Um, so there's a variety of things out there um, and all of those items are on my website. So even if you haven't really heard something that necessarily vibes just yet, it's possible there's a special event that might align with you better. So um, I still hope that everybody will kind of pop on there and take a look at what's going on. Uh, and then 
you know, just otherwise I would encourage everyone if they're interested in this, there's a massive amount of resources out there these days, a growing number of books um, about this. If you're interested in the actual data and the more tangible evidence that they they have coming out of some of these institutions all over the world, um, I would def definitely recommend taking a look at some of the books out there and, and um, I'd be happy to share any of those. I have a number of resources linked on my website and then, you know, the root um, or one of the world's foremost experts in forest medicine is based out of Tokyo, Tokyo's Nippon Medical School. His name is Dr. Ching Lee. So if you're interested, he's written some good books too. Um, so I would just encourage everybody to, to get curious and see. Um, there's also some really beautiful, more poetic approaches um, and, you know, emotional felt sense approaches to this practice that are out there too. Um, so whatever framework you're coming from, whether you're a left-brained or right-brained person or you're somewhere in between, there's a doorway for you to become engaged with this and, and um, just encourage everybody to follow that curiosity and give it a try at least once. Hopefully more than that. Takes yeah. A while. Yeah. I love that. I just from my own experience to um, share with listeners, these classes have really helped me to open my eyes to uh, especially the foraging classes, just how much is out there in the world to help our wellness, whether it's taking leaves off a tree to eat or berries, which that's kind of obvious, but um, more of the homeopathic, I think that's the right word of like healing modalities that nature provides. It's, um, really educated me about that. And just as I've been mentioning, slowing down and just noticing more in the natural environment around me. So as Katie mentioned, I hope that, um, you do try it on and at least give it a shot to see how it goes for you and be patient with yourself in the practice. Um, I'd love to hear, um, influences that have led you to this work. I know you've talked about the, the time in Africa and your trip with your husband and Patagonia. Um, are there particular people or any other, you know, moments that really stand out to you that influenced this path? Um, I would say at the risk of sounding um, a little bit, I, I hate the word woo-woo, so I don't want to say that, but I would say just straight up my time in the forest opened up my eyes to a lot of this and inspired a lot of this. So just my relationship with the natural world um, has been an inspiration, but also the, there's a book out there called The Nature Fix by Florence Williams that opened my eyes from my engineering perspective on how much information there is out there and that sparked it in a whole other way so I would say she's another person that that really influenced me at the beginning of my journey so yeah just the gifts of nature and then then that book was the first of many books I've read since then by all kinds of really incredible people that have been kind of devoting their life to learning more about this and feeling into it Mm, beautiful. Are there any other books? I know you said you have some on your website, but any others that like really come to mind that have been so transformative to you or that you would really recommend others to get their hands on? Um, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, if you're interested in the data and the research, 
That book I just mentioned, The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. Another one is The Biophilia Effect by, um, I, I believe his name is Clemens Arve is another really good one. Um, and that one gets into the types of environments to spend time with. If you're looking um, to decrease your stress levels, like very specific information, which is really, really neat, um, along with information about why that is. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave that there. If that, if you're like, hmm, then maybe go get that book because <laughs> it's a good one. And then um, if you want to just learn more about how to do forest bathing on your own, how to do it or how to start a practice on your own, the founder of the organization that I trained with um, wrote a book called Your Guide to Forest Bathing. That is definitely um, something I would recommend. There's a variety of different types of uh, invitations that you can try out. There's an introduction to the idea of what wild tending is. Um, and there's also just a description of this whole relationship-based approach to our time in nature. Um, that That is really, really good. Yeah. So your guide to forest bathing would be a good okay. place to start. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you for those. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, we'll link them in the show notes for folks. Um, what about what is on the horizon for IYE? Uh, without giving away, you know, you share as much as you would like here, but do you, would you like to share kind of where you're heading next? Yes, I would love to. So, you know, when I got started, I was, I was all about the five-year plan, but I've realized that five-year plans don't really work that well for me because I think about where I was five years ago and I would have never imagined in a million years I'd be doing this right now. So more of like a, like a one-year plan <laughs> yeah, and then letting the inspiration come as it does, right? But um, a couple of things that are in the more immediate future that I'm excited about. I'm going to launch a new, um, more community-based uh donation style class opportunity. I really want to open this up to as many people as possible. And so that's going to be essentially just me creating a container and it's going to be a community sit spot and um, sharing circle opportunity. So what that means is that I'll facilitate different locations around the Grand Rapids area. And if you sign up, you know, donation based, if you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. We'll all gather together. We'll go out and we'll do a sit spot, which is that org that that invitation I mentioned before. And then we'll all come back together and we'll do a facilitated sharing circle and then we'll go on our day. So it'll just be an opportunity to have that community connection in your sit spot practice and a little bit more of a container. So I'm excited about that. That's going to be getting started. Amazing. I would love to start it now, but I don't know how many people I'm going to get to go sit in the forest when it's 11 degrees out in February. So, <laughs> so I'm being patient um, and that'll probably be this spring. And I'm also excited to grow the wild foods and foraging and wild tending program. Um, my husband and I are going to start a rent-a-forager program this spring, which is basically going to be, we'll come out onto your land and we'll help you learn about what you have that's growing there, what beings share that space with you, what they may have to share with you in terms of foraging opportunities, and then also shedding light on that practice of wild tending, which we didn't get too far into, but that's really at its core, it's ethical, ethical approaches to foraging and, and from that relationship-based approach where we're not taking everything that's available to us, but we're acknowledging, you know, we're taking a small amount 
We're acknowledging what other beings on the land might be using that as a food source based on the time of year, all of these different things. So we're going to do a rent-a-forager program, which I'm very excited about. We've had some interest in it already. So just helping people learn their land and feel connected to their home. And um, I'm also getting started with some workplace wellness stuff this year. I've always had it out there, but haven't really been super pursuing it. Yeah. So I just got the 2022 catalog of all of our workplace offerings done. So if anyone has a workplace program that's already in place, then they're looking to enhance it with this, which is a very inclusive approach to, to workplace wellness. It is something that people of all kinds of physical fitness levels can be involved in. Um, you know, it resonates across ethnicity, age groups, gender identification, all of these things. Um, and it doesn't require you to put on yoga pants or sit on a yoga mat. So um, <laughs> if that's interesting. I do have the workplace wellness programs getting going, as well as presentations that get into some of the details. So the, the data of behind this practice to help people learn about the practice that they're about to engage in and maybe get that next level of appreciation for what it is that you're doing, which can help us slow down in the moment when we're like, okay, I know that this has stuff behind it. So I'm willing to sit here for 15 minutes. So that's another mm. thing. So those are a couple of things we've got going on. Um, but you know, it's growing every day and, um, and, and I'm really excited about that. Yes. Beautiful. I love, I love to hear all the directions. Um, and just what, what's resonating with the community and kind of going off of that. That's so cool to watch. Um, what has been your favorite part of IYE thus far? Is there like, that may be a loaded question, but what comes to mind? The time outside with other people, 100%. Being able to share this with other people, it's always the in-person moment that makes it so meaningful. Because, you know, anytime you launch a new business in this day and age, there's a lot of social media involved and there's a lot of, you know, just explaining exactly what it is via, um, you know, all of these networks of communication. But when we're actually out there together and I get to hear people share about their experience, I'm always shocked by how often tears come up. Um, I've heard some very interesting things about, you know, people just dealing with something that happened in their life a really long time ago, but they've just never had space to process it. And then sharing it into this space with a whole bunch of people, they don't know the bravery that that takes. They're just like the release that you can see come through. You know, I'm not a therapist at all. We're very careful to say that we're a forest therapy guide. We lead you in the forest. Nature is what the therapy is. Like we're just there to skillfully hold a container for you to have your experience. Um, but I would say that that's been the most, the most great thing. And then sometimes it's just people who are like, I need to slow down more. Like I need to go outside more. Just those little, little statements, um, of, of connection and seeing this, kind of start to influence or, you know, be a part of someone else's world too, is so incredibly rewarding. Um, it, I just, I feel like it will, it will, it will never stop just amazing me. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I can, I, I can sense it just through on zoom. And also when mm -hmm. I'm in your classes, it's just so heartwarming to see what comes through in the classes and the sharing circles and like you said, it is very healing um, for others to experience. So thank you for, for, for your service. <laughs> thank you for being there. 
I guess, is there anything else? I would love to know how people can connect with IYE online, but before we get to that, is there anything else you want to say? Um, I think I feel pretty complete with this and I just appreciate the opportunity so much and love talking with you and just the organic conversation. So thank you for having me here. And I, I, I hope that this has opened up some curiosity for people or maybe set in stone some pre-existing curiosity that was there before. So, uh, and I'm always here for questions or conversation um, if anyone wants to talk more. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time today and being on the podcast. Uh, it's an honor to chat with you. So if you don't mind sharing, like what are the best ways for people to um, reach out to learn more or find your classes and offerings, et cetera? For sure. So the business is called In Your Element Wellness, but on all of the social media platforms, you'll pretty much find it as IYE Wellness. So I as an in, Y as in your E as an element, IYE wellness. Um, Instagram is a platform that we use almost daily. So you'll see um, things on there, upcoming classes, little inspirations, um, force bathing invitations for your day, um, just little nature breaks. So if that's something that you're spending a lot of time scrolling Instagram, please go on there, follow us. Um, we'd love to have you there. Uh, and then we're also on Facebook within your element. And if you would like to email me, it's Katie at iyewellness.com and our website is iyewellness.com so um there's a couple of different ways to get in touch with us and and just kind of keep in the loop on what's going on oh and one more thing i do send a monthly newsletter it's just once a month it's an update about all of the classes and opportunities we have that month um and it's just an opportunity to kind of get that straight to your inbox if you're not on social media and i really only send like one maybe two a month if i have a special class and sometimes i'll send coupons or special things too so if you're interested you can subscribe to that on our website awesome awesome i will link all of those as well um yeah this is job with all these links <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> it's, it's helpful though i for me as a podcast host I do a lot of listening to other podcasts and I love when other podcasts have all the timestamps and resources and, and links. So I do that as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such a nice, such a nice touch. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Katie. It's been a wonderful journey being able to connect for the past couple of years and see where IYE has taken you. And I look forward to continuing to be part of the journey and to, uh, you know, what else it will bring for you. Thank you, Courtney. I'm really excited too. It just keeps unfolding, right? Absolutely. See, it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by following along, leaving a review, sharing it out, or donating. There are a few more ways you can get involved in the POA community. Number one, hop on over to Instagram and join the conversation. Two, apply for coaching. We are currently accepting applications for our signature offer, Unleash Your Potential. Three, join our newsletter. This is a quick 
five tip email that I send out on Mondays. I deem it Monday Minutes. And it's full of things I am reading, using, and loving to perform at my highest potential daily. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, be sure to sign up. You will receive a free guided meditation for joining. All the links for everything I just mentioned are included in the show notes. It has been a pleasure to have you here, and I thank you so much. I will see you again on the next episode.